Hodges puts up the three. Long go. Rebound box. Now head over in this direction. Gone to three. Today's episode will feature another University of Rhode Island legend, part of the 1988 Sweet 16 team and professional overseas as well. And Kenny Green, Kenny, thank you for taking the time to be on the show, man. How's it going? Everything's well, Cam. How are you? Not my bad, man. I saw uh, you just follow me back on social media and stuff, so I appreciate that, uh, showing support. No <laughs> um, so where, where are you originally from? I'm from Connecticut. You're from Connecticut? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So when so when was basketball, like, introduced to you? And, like, when did you start to, like, develop a skill for it at the early ages? Um, More or less, growing up, I was a baseball guy. So mm-hmm. um, at younger ages, I played a lot of baseball. Um, but because of all my friends were into basketball, we would go to the park daily on a daily basis and, you know, play in the park and stuff like that. But I really never took it serious because I was so into baseball. Yeah. Probably until my freshman year of high school. Um, I saw that there was a little bit of talent there, and that's really when I really decided to really start pursuing it. So it was baseball, like you said, before um, oh, like yeah. high school. Uh, that was all. Uh, once I got to high school, um, I actually saw that I was better in basketball than I was in baseball. Mm-hmm. So it just made sense just to pursue basketball. So Right, so um... – you know, like early stages and stuff like that. Um, baseball, obviously, being like your main sport. Who was like, uh, like somebody that was like a, a role model for you growing up? Um, could, you know, could be a parent, someone that you looked up to in a way, and uh, you know, just following that sport aspect. Well, for me, it was. I grew up in a house with. <laughs> I grew up in a household with three women. Mm-hmm. So my mom, my grandmother. And my two aunts, so that makes four actually. Um, until my grandmother passed away, um, and then there's eight, there's seven siblings. So my brother, he was away at school as I was coming up, um, being the second oldest. So he was very rarely around. Um, so I literally spent a lot of time with women, but I spent time with women who were extremely strong women, and. Um, for my mom, who literally worked two to three jobs as I was growing up, there was never time for her to come to baseball games or anything to that matter. Um, but my sisters did. So there was always support there, no matter what I was doing in whichever sport it was. Um, so if I had to really talk about who I may have idolized or who, you know, was there it would be the women in my family yeah of course you know going off of that story you know i mean i grew up like you know similar like i'm only the only boy in my family so like yeah. you know they all showed support you know going to yeah. my games and things like that so i completely understand where you're coming from yeah. um but yeah kind of going back to like uh maybe like the sport aspect of it like going back from baseball and basketball like who was a player maybe uh, play, who played baseball in mm-hmm. mlb or maybe in the nba that you kind of tried to mimic 
into maybe your game on the field or your game on the court as well? Well, basketball-wise, legitimately, it was Dale Dawkins. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, for me, it was watching this guy. Offensively, he was very limited. I mean, if you really break down his game, um, just extremely limited offensively. But it was just watching him dunk. I mean, it was just like, I mean, this guy has so much aggression in him. It was like, like who hurt you as a kid? (laughs) I mean, if he got anywhere near the basket, he was trying to dunk the ball. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was just so fascinating. And I really liked that part of the game itself. So as I started getting a little bit taller and more athletic in the game itself, I mean, literally, anytime I got near the basket, I didn't care if I missed it or not. I was trying to dunk the ball. Mm-hmm. And it was because of Daryl Dawkins that, you know, that was the case. Um, in baseball, honestly, it was probably Reggie Jackson. Um, it just seemed like everything he did from batting to fielding, it was just so cool and so smooth. I mean, it was like, it's like he didn't sweat when he played. And yeah. it, it was just a gift that he had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like I always ask like a lot of these athletes that have you know that are in like college and things like that. I've talked to a few professional coaches as well. You know, they've they've always been like multi-sport athletes growing up, like yourself. So like going from like a baseball kind of aspect, transitioning into your basketball play. I know you said that obviously you focused on basketball and that took you throughout your career. Um, was was there like something like a skill or like a mindset that you always had going in onto the field and the court that you know kind of like transitioned over and like helped your play in like both aspects? Um, yeah, and it's it's probably the only thing that really set me apart in that is that my sisters would say to me, if you're going to suck, we're not coming to watch you. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, and it was basically, I mean, it was that. I was like, well, first of all, they're taking time out of their day because literally, I, even though I'm not the only boy, but I'm the, literally the only boy in the family at that time. So they're taking the time out of their day to come see me. So whatever I'm doing, I can't disappoint them mm-hmm. because like, and they were serious. They're like, if you suck, we're not coming anymore. So it was to the point where I can't not be the only kid at a baseball game or at a basketball game with no family members there. Right. So it was just, that was the drive for me just to make sure that I always had somebody there. And I knew though, if I did something, they wouldn't come anymore. So yeah. they, that would be their excuse not to have to go that they can do whatever they wanted to do. So that was my driving force. Yeah, a lot of athletes, you know, in the end, like professionally, they, they say it all the time in interviews, like the fans come to, they, they pay to come see us play. So it's like, if we disappoint or if they're hurt a certain game, it's like, what am I, you know, what am I paying for at the end of the day? If I go see the Lakers play and LeBron James is hurt, it's like, you know, that's the last way you're going to see at the end of the day. And that's yeah. what people went to go see you play when you were at URI and things like that. And I, I wish I was, you know, I was born that time to watch you play. But, um, you know, before we get into that, like you, you went to high school at Holy Cross in uh, Waterbury, Connecticut, right? Yes. Yeah, so growing up in like high school, like how tall were you going into your freshman year and how fast did you grow throughout your four years? My freshman, sophomore, and um, the end of the, literally the beginning of my, well, the beginning to the middle of my junior year, I was probably about 6'3". Mm-hmm. Um, the end of my junior year to the beginning of my senior year, I went from 6'3 to 6'8 over the summer. That's crazy. I literally grew five inches. Five inches. Um, when I got back to school, our coach, um, God rest his soul, his name is Tim McDonald. Um, he literally looked at me and asked me who the hell I was. He said, I actually don't know who you are. 
And I'm like, you know, I'm looking at him like, you know, it's the same. He's like, no, your face has changed. Everything has changed about you. I was like, you know, it just, it was a growth spurt over the summer. So how, so you said you were like 6'3", right? Freshman year? Yeah. So Fred, so that's kind of like, I mean, still compared to high school, that's kind of still like, a, you know, a center yeah. position, like powerful aspect. Yeah. Did you ever yeah. in your career, like playing basketball, ever try, like, were you ever put at like the guard position, like, because of your height or like, you know, as, have you always just always played a center? Because that was kind no, of like. I mean, younger, you know, um, well, put it this way, playing in a park, there's no positions. Right. You know, growing up, yeah. there, there's no forward, there's no guard, there's no, you know, you get the ball, you bring the ball up to the court. Um, and playing pickup ball in the park, it's just, it's not a free for all. I mean, I was a little lucky and I was a little blessed because I was able to play with the older guys. Mm -hmm. So the older guys had one rule when we played. If you don't play hard, you don't play at all. And we knew that if we got to a point where they said you can't play, that's a whole day that you're not going to play because they're going to make sure that you can't play. Right. So in that sense, it didn't make a difference what position you were playing or where you were, as long as you were playing hard and they were okay with that, then you were able to play. So growing up, no, not really. I mean, this we just played everywhere and anywhere. You know, kind of transitioning from, like, obviously play on the court, like, in the parks yeah. and stuff like that to, like, the high school level. Um, did you ever try to, like, instill some of those skills and, like, you know, ask, like, like you said, you're bringing up the ball at the four. You're doing all these kinds of different things at, you know, 6'5", yeah. going on to 6'8". Did you ever try to, like, do certain things that a big might not, you know, do during that time era? Well, when I got, when I got to school um, – I actually came into school with a kid who ended up being an All-American, a McDonald's All-American. And he was a, he was our three guard. And then our point guard was a kid from my neighborhood. So I really, from my freshman year to my senior year, I never had the opportunity because I had these two guys there that really dominantly controlled the ball. Mm -hmm. So it was never, I don't want to say an option, but it was just, it was just, it wasn't feasible for me to be handling the ball because we had such we had two very good ball handlers. So it was pressure on me that I didn't have to, I, I didn't have to worry about. Yeah, definitely. And like at the time, you know, high school, like were there any like AAU or like travel teams or like camps, like college showcase that you involved in to kind of put your name more on the map? You know, my senior year, <clears throat> at that time, travel ball really wasn't that big. Um, it was more or less people were trying to get to camps um, I really wasn't that interested in going to camps, um, until my senior year, um, five star with, um, Garfunkel was the big thing. So we got invited myself, my two guard, and then our all American, we all got invited to five star. So we ended up going to five star. And that's really when I got my first taste of true competition, you know, nationwide competition. Yeah. And um, it opened up my eyes. It was like to the point where I was like, oh, this is something that I really, really like. It's something I really want to do. Yeah. And a lot of people I've talked with, like, you know, Silk, of course, like people that have yeah. played a little bit later, like um, you probably know Ernie D, like uh, sure. PC legend, like they all went to like camps because like that's what the thing like AAU ball and yeah. travel has just gr tremendously grown over the years. And like that's yeah. like kind of the route to go on, you know, those are the yeah. teams that are going to get your name out there. So like, yeah, kinda going off of that, like. When did, you know, since you, that camps was like the only kind of way to get your name out there more and more, like, um, yeah. when did college, like coaches start like finding interest in you and like uh, things like that, like towards your junior and senior year? 
It was more um, the beginning of my senior year, and it was all by accident. You know, a, a lot of my attention came from them coming to see the All-American kid on my team. Yeah. And then when they would come see him play, and then, you know, you know, they did be something in that I did that would spark their interest. Um, my senior, my senior year, I didn't have a lot of interest. I had a lot of division two interest and a lot of division three interest. I mean, the only division one schools I had interest from were, you know, URI, um, Wake Forest, and then UConn came in at the end of the recruiting. Um, but I always knew I wasn't going to UConn because I didn't want to stay home. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had been to UConn and I, I would say to myself, there's no way I can live four years here. I'm like, it's in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing here. When Rhode Island came down, um, at this time, it was um, Brendan Malone. He was the coach. And um, he came with his wife, and they came to see our, our All-American kid. And um, it was actually a game that I had a very good game. I think I ended up with 30 and 20 and like 12 blocks. I had a triple-double. It was my first wow. triple-double. And on the way home, his wife, his wife told me this story. You know, she tells me the story every time I talk. She's like, I told Brendan, never mind the all-star, the all-American kid. I like that kid. Mm -hmm. And the next day, they ended up calling my mom and my aunt, talking to them and telling them that they were going to send, that they were going to start recruiting me. They were going to offer me, you know, scholarship and stuff like that. And maybe, geez, I want to say maybe two weeks later, um, Without even knowing, um, I come home from school and I'm like, I'm asking my sisters, well, you know, where's everybody at? They're like, well, they went up to, they went up to Rhode Island. I'm like, I'm like, why is my, the farthest I've ever known my mother to go might, might've been Bridgeport, which is mm -hmm. probably 30, 35 minutes away. Yeah. Like, what are they doing in Rhode Island? They're like, we don't know. So they came back from literally, they went on my recruit, my recruitment trip which was oh, the yeah. weirdest thing, but it was how it happened. So they went, Coach Malone and his wife took them around the campus, showed them everything and stuff like that. Um, they came back home and literally walked in the door and said, this is where you're going to school at. Wow. And that was the end of it. You, you <laughs> were mean, like, all right, yep, I'm, I'm going. Like, <laughs> I mean, legitimately, that was the end of it. I mean, they came back. It was literally like they, like Coach Malone and his wife recruited my mother and my aunt. Yeah. And they came up, they got, they came in the, they came in the door and said, this is where you're going to go to school at. And that must've felt good too. Cause you said growing up with them and like, th those yeah. were like the inspirations and like the people that, yeah. you know, shaped you to be the person and player that you are like yeah. knowing that they cared that much about your family first must've been yeah. a great feeling for you too. Yeah. It was, I mean, it, it meant the world to me Yeah, that, you know, and you know, when kids get recruited, you know, some all the time a parent comes up with the kid or something like that. Mm -hmm. But for me, for me not to even see the school and to know that they took the time to say, okay, let's bring these two women up here first and show them what's, what this school is about. And then we'll bring him up after. Mm -hmm. For them to do that, that meant the world to me. Yeah, definitely. And that, that, that solidified it for me. Yeah, and it worked out. Like like you said, that was like one of the only uh, Division One schools. And UConn, obviously, you said it came like after the fact and like you said yeah. you didn't want to go there anyways but um <laughs> right so like I guess kind of going off of that like your rookie year you know like six eight everyone's expecting you to play you know like 
like you were in that McDonald's All-American game and, you know, throughout like your whole career. And obviously that doesn't happen. People have bad games, things like that. So, um, like you said, going into a school that you barely even, you know, you didn't go to what your, your aunt and your, you know, like what's your mindset going into freshman year, obviously not knowing anybody. And, um, like I said, like Silk was, Silk was, uh, two years older than you, if I'm I'm correct. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, meeting these new guys, what was that mindset like going into freshman year? Well, I mean, our recruiting class was myself, Bonzi Colson, John Evans. And um, so when we came in in the summer, all three of us came in in the summer. So it made the transition a little bit easier because we actually knew each other and we got to know each other. Okay. So that made, that made it a little bit easier. But the first, the first day stepping on the floor, there was no butterflies. There was no nervousness, nothing. Because, you know, to me, it was basketball. I mean, regardless of who it was against or whatever else, it was still basketball. So I wasn't really concerned about that part of it. Um, summer ba- the summer basketball program was a lot more just conditioning and drills than it was anything else. So, I mean, that was easy. Once we really got into the flow, once school started, um, it's when competition really picked up. Mm-hmm. Um, guys were bigger, stronger, faster. So I had to adapt really quickly. Um, just so happens that, and I think it was a blessing in disguise. My freshman year, I was five games into the season. The practice before our fifth game, um, I went up for a dunk, dunked the ball, came down, caught my thumb in the net and literally tore my thumb, all the ligaments in my thumb. So I ended up redshirting my freshman year, actually. Wow. So it was, it was, uh, it was a blessing in disguise. Um, because it gave me a year to grow, to get a little bit more physical, get a little bigger, a little stronger. So, I mean, that was that was a good thing. So you still ended up playing for the rest of the year, though, right? No. Oh, you I read shirted that whole year, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, so how was how did the team pan out uh, your first year? Go? Like like you said, you had, had a red shirt, so you didn't really, you know, get that experience to be on the floor. But how did the team do as a whole? Oh, we sucked. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I mean, my freshman year, Silk and Tommy's sophomore year, it was it was tough. Something like nine wins or something like that, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we didn't win a lot of games, but we knew that we knew that the talent was there. Right. Um, we just couldn't, you know, it just didn't come together um during that season. But we knew just watching each other play that the talent was really there. Mm-hmm. So we were really excited about the following season because we knew we had something special. Yeah, and like that following year, you guys, I believe it was like like around twenty wins, something like that. Like, uh, yeah, we we ended up in the NIT. Yeah, NIT, um, and then, yeah. So, but yeah, explain some was, of those experiences. Yeah, it was it was it was disheartening mm-hmm. getting to the NIT. Um, now, take for granted, none of us had been to any postseason play. Yeah, but you know. The goal for everything is to get to the NCAA tournament, go as far as you can, win the NCAA um, championship. So that was the goal. And we thought with the season that we had that we were kind of overlooked by the NCAA committee. We felt that we were good enough to make it that year. Um, and what they have now is the first four in, first, first four out, whatever else. At that time, it was just the bubble. Yeah. You're on the, you're on the bubble. Mm-hmm. And we were, I think we were the last team on the bubble and um, we didn't get in. So um, there was a little, dis- well, not even a little, there was a lot of disappointment at that point. Um, and I think it carried over to us when we went to the um, 
to the NIT because we were still really focused on that. This is where we should have been. We should have, we should have been in the tournament and stuff like that. So I think that kind of hurt us once we got to the NIT. Um, because when we played Florida State, they literally just whooped our ass, mm-hmm. and it, it had nothing to do with talent. It really had nothing to do with talent. I mean, it was just that I think that our morale was really still down from not making it to the tournament. Yeah, and you know, like obviously talking with Soak before, like making this connection happen, like he told me a lot about those experiences as well, and like how that next year, like the following year, you guys, I was you know bounced back and that Sweet Sixteen run came. So what was that? Like preparation, like going into uh, well, his senior year. This was your sophomore yeah, year, right? My sophomore year. Yep. Um, we had said to each other at the end of the season that the following year, it was there was going to be no way anybody was going to stop us from making the tournament. Right. We we knew we had the talent. We knew, and then that was you know that was a year with Penders and stuff like that. That we knew that we had all the components to make a tournament run and to get to the tournament. So we weren't going to let anything deter us or stop us from getting there. And we had that mindset from the first game to the last game. Mm-hmm. And we truly believed that no matter who, nobody, no matter who we played, that we were better than them. And we just, and we really kept that mindset going through the whole season. I mean, we still have the record for the most wins in URI history. Right. Yep. And like I said, it was because we knew that we had the talent to do it um, and we were going to go out night in and night out and prove it. And we said that we're not going to allow the tournament committee to take anything from us. We're going to put ourselves there. So that way we don't have to worry about a bubble or anything else. And we knew that. So, I mean, at that year, you know, Temple was, Temple was in the A-10 at that time. And with Coach Cheney, um, Mark Macon, uh, Tim Perry, they were ranked number one in the country, maybe a little more than half the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that it's set up, they, the tournament was set up and the seedings that we knew for us to get to the final eight, we would meet them again. Now, the first three games of the first two games of the season and then the championship game, we ended up losing to them. But I mean, each game was a close loss. It was never a blow. It was less than, I would say, seven points each game. So our goal was to get to them in the final eight. But we fell a game short. Yeah, and of course, it's still an historic run. I mean, URI is still yet to come to that. So, I mean, to be a part of that and to be a part of that run, um, you know, obviously it's a blessing. Like you, like a lot of the people from URI and the alums, like I've seen like them posting, like you, Silk, all the guys, Tommy Garrick, all those kinds of dudes, like – potentially might have your jersey like retired in the rafters. So like, how does that feel to be in that conversation knowing your jersey might be one of the first to be hung up in the Ryan Center? You know what, for me, it's not a big deal, honestly. I mean, yeah. and I tell everybody this, and, I, and it's the God's honest truth, it's not a big deal. I mean, for me, it's something that should have been done a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And why do I say that? I say that because when you bring kids in on recruitment trips, and they walk into the Ryan Center and they look up in the Raptors and they see four jerseys. And I think the latest jersey is probably Michelle Williams. I think she's 70 something or something like that. As a kid coming in, and if it's a four star kid, a five star kid, now they've been to bigger schools. They've been to other schools where they walk in and it's, it's just their history is just celebrated. I mean, they've got banners and everything going around the gym. It gives you something to look forward to as a player. So if I do well here, I can bring my kids back and show them that's dad. 
That's dad's number. That's dad's name up there. You know, he was somebody here. He was something here. But for kids to walk in and not see anything like that. And I, and, you know, I told some of the people in the athletic department, stuff like that. I don't care what you believe or what you think. Kids think like that. Because no matter what, as a basketball player, when you finish your career, you want to be able to say, I was a member of this school, of this team. You don't believe me? Here's my jersey. Here's my number. Here's whatever else. I mean, I get, you know, the, the um, Hall of Fame and all that. I'm like, but it's a big difference between being on the outside of the gym, looking at pictures going around, you know, going around the gym or being inside, inside the um, arena. With the games are happening, yeah. Jerseys and names up there. So it's a big difference. So, like I said, I, it should have been done a long time ago. Um, for whatever reason it wasn't, I, I don't know. Um, and it's not, I don't sit and ponder it. Um, but there's been a lot of noise about it happening and stuff like that. And I'm like, hey, I mean, there were great players before us. There were great players after us. For me, I don't care who you put up, just put somebody here. I said, you have to, I said, you, we can't have three jerseys retired. And then the latest one in the seventies. I'm like, you literally say as a kid, nobody else went to this school. Mm. I mean, <laughs> and then if I do well, I don't get my, my jersey or my name doesn't get retired. So uh, it had to, to continue to bring the program forward. I think it's something that's very necessary and it's been necessary for years now. No, I agree with you 100%. And like, there's been, obviously there's been, like you say, players that were like before your time and after your time that, you know, probably deserve it as well. And, you know, kids coming into it, they probably do some research and they see like the most recent guys who have been, you know, like pivotal in URI success and things like that. And they think, oh, he must have been, not have been that great because, you know, like you said, the jersey's not out there. Like there's no jerseys up there to prove it. And like you said, there's no jerseys in the gym from those times. Like they just don't, they don't see it. And like, that's exactly how kids go into it think. And um, I mean, my, my whole point to that is, okay. And it's, yeah, and I am a little biased because there, these are guys that I played with. But yeah, you've experienced it, yeah. Take that away from everything else. Your all-time school leading scorer. How in God's name has his jersey not been retired 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. To this day, nobody has still caught him. And that's so. So how do you not celebrate that after all these years? I mean, okay, he's out of school 35, 30, 35 years. How is that, how has that not been celebrated 20 years ago? You know, I agree hundred percent. Yeah. To me, it's just it's just weird. I mean, I, I've heard different things. Well, how do we decide who to do it and who to go, who goes first? Just put somebody first. Exactly. You know, I mean, yeah. and then everything else, like dominoes, the rest, the rest will fall in place. Exactly. But you've got to start with somebody. So the easiest thing is you start with the all-time school score leader. And then you put a committee together. Let them go through, okay, maybe this person, maybe, and then you do it that way. I said, but it has to be done. And it's just really disheartening that it hasn't been. It was brought to my attention that someone said that ex-players don't give back to the program. I said, why should we? And I was looked at like I was, like I had two heads. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why should we? 
don't get anything in return. You haven't celebrated us. So why should we help you? You know, um, I'm like, if you look at all these big schools and stuff like that, they have ex-players on their staff, players who played in the league, players who have done this. Yeah, they give back to the program, but they're celebrated. They have jersey, they have retirement, retirement games. They have, they bring these guys back during the summers to, you know, they, they bring them in for a day and they have, you know, meals and whatever else just to shoot the shit with each other and just said this there's never been anything like that for us so mm. why i mean you don't celebrate us so why should we help you i can tell you've been asked this question before a couple a couple of times <laughs> and I, I completely understand the frustration too but, you know kind of go back on the playing realm of it um after so after your after that sweet 16 run how were there the last two years of your uh, college career how did they uh, pan out for you yeah, they, were, they were good um i had a bigger role mm -hmm. um more Stepping up a, as a junior and senior, right? Yeah, more of a leadership role and stuff like that, um, which I was okay with, but I wasn't okay because that just wasn't me. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, I was I was always happier in the shadows in the foreground and stuff like that. Let everybody else, you know, take all the all the publicity, all the publicity, and everything else. But um, we had decent we had decent years, decent seasons. We lost a lot of talent, um, but I mean. I enjoyed my, I enjoyed it. I mean, it was just, you know, at that time, my junior and senior year, I was with um, Coach Skinner. And, you know, Coach Skinner was more like, um, he was more like a brother than a coach. Right. I mean, any issue you had, I mean, you can call this guy at two, three o'clock in the morning and he legitimately was going to sit there and listen to you. If he had to come on campus for whatever else, he'd come on campus. You know, so he was, I mean, it was great playing for him. Um, and I mean, we had decent teams, but we didn't have, we just didn't have the, we didn't have the personnel to really make pushes toward anything, but I mean, it was fine. I mean, um, we enjoyed each other and that's what I can say about my four years there. Every team that I was with, each group of guys I was with, we truly enjoyed being and playing with each other. Mm -hmm. and um, like it, yeah. I've watched a couple of the teams since I've come back and stuff like that. And there was always, you can always see that there was a little animosity somewhere on the, on that team, on these teams, you know, and if as a player, you see that even though like the average fan might not, but as a player, you see it and you see it where it comes from as, you know, when they go back to the bench, when they're in a huddle, whatever else, you see that little bit of animosity. And um, so when I came back and I was on campus, it was the weirdest thing. Like for us, we were so visible on campus. You know, we'd walk to class and we'd hang out on the quad, you know, stuff like that. And we were with the student body. I mean, we were any, anywhere you saw us, you saw a bunch of student, you know, students and stuff like that. We'd hang it out with the students. When I came back, I, I, I don't think I saw one player walking off campus. And to me, that was just weird. Yeah. And then when I found out that they had made, you know, there was a dorm for the athletes and they were in their own dorm and stuff like that. To me, I thought that was a little, that was a little standoffish, weird on that part, because as players, you want your players interacting with the students because that's how you get the students to come to the games. Exactly. Now they, they have a personal relationship with you. Oh, I know this guy. I know this guy, you know, we hang out, you know, we're, we're hanging out in a dorm and stuff like that. Oh yeah. We're going to go see him play and stuff like that. 
has nothing to do with the winning. Of course, well, let me rephrase that. It does have a lot to do with winning because nobody wants to go see a team play that's losing, mm-hmm. especially students. I'm like, I can do my homework. You know, I got a test tomorrow. I can study for my test tomorrow instead of going to see these guys play. But if they're around those students, even if they're having a losing season, they still have a personal relationship with the students. So they're still going to come out to support these guys. Right. So, I mean, you saw a lot of that the last two years, you know, where, you know, Ryan Center, it just seemed like it was emptying out. I'm not talking about your diehard fans. I'm talking about the student, the student body section. You just saw a game wise, it was getting less and less and less and less. Mm-hmm. And to me, I chalk it up. It had, I say it has a little bit to do with losing on the students' part, but yet still, it's because they don't have that personal connection with the players. Of course, I agree with you 100% too. And like, I've seen it, like, because I've been obviously a Rams fan like my whole life. And now being able to like join the program and try to like get myself involved on campus has been great. I, I visited a couple of times. And like the last week I went, I saw the Mitchell twins who like just uh, committed to Arkansas now, I believe they had. Uh, put their names they declare for the draft now they're going to Arkansas and like it's gotten better like I've seen like their like students were with them hanging around it's not like they were like secluded so uh, it's good to see like like coming from your point like it's gotten better obviously over the years and things and the student section has been more supportive even in the losing years as well Um, yeah but like kind of going off that when was when was like the last time that you were on campus and you were able to uh, catch a game oh god the last game that I saw was probably I didn't catch any games this past season. Well, no, no, let me, let me, let me no. did I? No, this past season I didn't. The year before, I, I probably made it to maybe three to four games. So um, the season before COVID, I got to maybe three to four games um, to watch. Um, yeah, so what do you think of like the atmosphere and like did it kind of bring back some old memories of you, like, you know, on the court and things like that? Um. Yeah. It, no, it, it really did. You know, the Ryan Center is completely different than Keeney Gym. Um, yeah. Keeney Gym was a pit. Everybody's right on top of you. You know, with the Ryan Center, you know, you, you've got the more upscale arena, stuff like that. So, you know, there's a lot more space and stuff. Keeney was just, Keeney was a pit. I mean, your visiting team, you've got bleachers right on top of their bench and people right on top of them. So, it, you know, it was, it was, a, it was different. Um, Ryan said they did a really they did a really good job building it. It's nice. I you know there's a couple of things that I I felt that they should have done better. They should have they should have had two monitors um, instead of one. Yeah. Um, what do you do for the people who are sitting underneath the monitor? They have no idea. You know they they don't yeah. see whatever else. I mean, um, I didn't see. I don't think they have replays. Um, so it was just minor things that I thought were a little weird that they didn't that they didn't incorporate, but. I mean, they, this time, and I'm sure that they've been, you know, brought up in discussion and stuff like that. So, but the gym is a beautiful gym. It's a beautiful, beautiful gym. Um, they did a really good job, and the the teams, the teams that played in it, deserved to play in it. So, yeah, for sure. And I'm very excited to get, you know, very eager to start and get right on the on the scene over there, and um, you know, kind of going back to kind of like wrap things up, going back to like your senior year and things. You know, uh, leading the NCAA Division One blocks with 124, like just insane numbers. And then, like, you know, preparing for the draft and preparing for like, the professional level. Um, I want to know, like, kind of like your like your workout, like your mindset, like throughout, you know, college, like staying in shape, working on every day, working on your game. What are like the types of like routines, like on the court, you follow to always like get ready and be in shape for games and like, uh, you know, the off season as well. Well, for me, it was different. It was completely different than everybody else's because of my 
because of my knees. Well, my knees, you know, with the injuries, I spent my off-season training and even my season training, I spent 90% of the time in the pool. So all my workouts consisted either of a stationary bike or in the pool. So that's how I stayed in shape. Um, it was incorporated by Coach Penders when he got there. And um, I just continued with it because I stayed in good shape doing it. Um, my pool workouts were, I mean, I lived, we'd have practice for two hours, two hours and 15 minutes. For an hour and 45 minutes, I'm in a pool. Mm-hmm. And it's not just I'm in there just BSing around. I'm doing sprints in the shallow end. Yeah. And if you, you know, people who swim, you know, just trying to run against a current or running against the water, it's, it's almost easy. impossible. So, um, but it, it helped. It helped a lot and it kept me in shape. And I, I continued it in the off season. Um, my only regret, my four years of playing, was that I didn't concentrate a lot more weight-wise in the weight room and stuff like that. Um, especially with my junior and senior, because I was just so, I felt I was just so athletic, you know. Mm-hmm. If you're stronger than me, then I, I'd be quicker than you. Or what I jump over jump you, high, or whatever right. it may be. So, but um, I learned quickly once school finished and my professional career started. Um, my first year, I ended up going to Italy, playing in Italy, and I actually played with Bob McAdoo. And um, wow. our coach, our coach was Mike D'Antoni, um, who was, wow. used to be the coach with you since stuff like that. Yep. And Mike brought me in to play center. So the same thing he was doing with Clint Capella. I just want a big man just to run, jump, dunk, whatever, like that. Same philosophy. <clears throat> and that was great. I mean, my, my, my first month over there, I'm averaging 25 and 12 or something like that. Wow. But after every game, I'm spent. Because offense is easy. It's defense. Now, I'm 6'8", 220, playing against 7'7", 300, 280 on defense. And they're knocking the God-living mess out of me night in and night out. And, you know, and I'm going home after games, and I'm bruised, and I'm sore, and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to practice tomorrow. You know, I can't do this. And from that point, I really put a lot of time, a lot of focus in, in the weight room. So yeah, we can kind of transition to like to your professional career. Like you said, you wish yeah. you kind of did more in college, right? So yeah, like playing about like twelve years around, like about yeah. the time I was born, like around two thousand two. Um, yeah. like I guess to kind of like wrap things up, uh, how do how do you feel like your overall like professional career? Was? I know you played like in a couple of different countries. Like what are those experiences like, and how was it comparable to like the college level, like the pace of the game, and like you said, the physicality and things like that? Well, you know, I spent seven years in Spain and just yeah. absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, I was very lucky. I got put with an unbelievable coach and an unbelievable team. Um, and just my time in Europe was just tremendous. I loved it. I mean, um, competition-wise, it was Europe was a lot more physical than being, you know, in college and stuff like that. Um, and like you said, you learn how to handle certain situations very quickly, especially if it's your livelihood. So um, after my first year in Italy, I knew I wouldn't have any issues no matter where I went. I knew because I understood after, like I said, after the first month of playing, I understood how European basketball was gonna be. And I adapted to it very quickly. 
So I, I mean, it was just, it was, it was probably the best experience of my, one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, I had opportunities to come back home and, you know, my agent would like to say every summer, okay, we got a, we got an offer to go here. We got an offer to go to this NBA team for, you know, veterans camp and stuff like that. And I used to always say, is it veteran guaranteed money? He's like, no. I'm like, well, we have veteran guaranteed money in Europe. So that's where I'm going back. Right. You know, and he was, he was always a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, say, you know, you've got a great a chance and a great. I said, yeah. I said, listen, I played with a lot of these NBA guys in the summer leagues down in New York and stuff like that. And I mean, and they would always say, you know, why aren't you playing here and stuff like that? I'm like, listen, if you can go to your team and say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna offer you a guaranteed contract. I said, I'd be the first one. I'm, I'd be the first one there in the gym. I said, but if you're gonna say, well, we're just gonna bring you back to vets camp, and we'll give you for. Best camp at that time, I think everybody was guaranteed twenty five thousand or something like that to come to best camp. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to pass a, a guaranteed contract that I have overseas for a possibility here. That just wasn't me, you know. So, um, and I and I knew that I can play in the league with a lot of the guys that I play with in the summertime and stuff like that. But it just for me, I said, if I can't have guaranteed, it's not worth it for me. So, I mean, and I enjoyed being over in Europe. I really did. I enjoyed it. Um, I had a very good career, um, and I wouldn't have traded it for anything. Yeah, and I definitely, I definitely wish there was some footage out there of, you know, those days. And oh, there is. Was, I'll see oh, you some is. of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely want to see some of that for sure. Definitely. <laughs> and it's cool experience, like, to hear that, you know, coached by Mike D'Antoni and played with, like, yeah. NBA great Bob McAdoo. Like, that's, like, insane. I know, like. I mean, playing with, playing with Bob, it was hilarious. Yeah. Once again, you know, I everybody knew what Bob McAdoo with the Lakers and stuff like that. So when I first got there, I didn't know he was on a team. He was the one that actually picked me up from the airport. And I'm looking at him like, dude, what did you do? <laughs> you know, he's like, wow. you know, so we, yeah. you know, we talked on the way, on the way and stuff like that. First day of practice, I'm just watching him and I'm like, well, this must, this, this is what it must be to be a veteran and an NBA veteran and an NBA all-star. Bob would run from he would run from free throw line to half court, back to the free throw line to half court. That's as far as Bob would go. Wow. We literally, we literally played. I mean, he'd get down on defense every now and then, but we yeah. literally played five on four every day. Because Bob would go from free throw <laughs> line to half court, free throw line to half court. That was Bob, you know. But you know, when you paid your dues and you've done what he's done, who's gonna say much to you, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, but it was. It was great. I mean, I never, there's not one time that I've said to myself, what if I stuck with it and really tried and stayed in the States? It's not one time that I ever said that. That's good. That's all you can really ask for. I mean, you look yeah. back at plentiful amount of opportunities and experiences. Like, it's just, all, and like I said, I definitely need some of that footage, man. I gotta, I gotta see it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to send you some. Yeah, I, will. <laughs> I promise yeah. you. So, I mean, that kind of does it for, I mean, like wraps up all the questions I had lined up and like, uh, appreciate the time, Kenny, for you taking the you know time coming on the show. I know you've been, yeah, no problem. I know I know you've been on a lot before too, so I know it's kind of like, you know, like another one of those things. But um, no, not at all, not at all, yeah. not at all. I enjoy it. I, you know, anything that I can do to help you guys out, that you know, to help further you guys' career, and you know, in the journalism and stuff like that, I'm all for it. Yeah, man, I appreciate it so much. It pushes me at the end of the day to keep being great because at the end of the day, I was I was a player and like. You know, I wanted to obviously pursue the college level. I didn't have sure. that great of a senior year. I had a coach uh, who passed away 
um, at the end. So he was, he wasn't able to coach me and like that kind of prevented some of my chances. Like if I feel like if I had him and, you know, more of a model, I could have maybe pursued it a little bit, but this passion, you know, podcasting, uh, broadcasting journalism, like it's still being around the game. So that's why I'm trying to instill, you know, that mindset I had as a player into this and try to get as many big guys as I can. And like I said, I couldn't be more grateful to have you on and all your teammates as well. And, um, appreciate you. We yeah. do. We appreciate you, Cam. No problem, man. And like last question, just ended off. Like, what you what you think of the show, and who might you want to see uh, as a featured guest for the next time? Hopefully. No, I mean, I I'm really pleased with the way that you know you conducted this. Um, who I'd like to see. Um, I mean, from what I understand, you've had me and Silk. So yeah. I think I for me the next most the most viable person would be would be Tommy. Yeah, Tommy Gill, you know, right. hometown hometown hero, um, had a stellar career at URI, a stellar NBA career, doing great things coaching now, you know. So, you know, I think that would be the next best thing. Yeah, for sure. Try to, you know, get in contact with him and, you know, yeah. do as best as I can, keep reaching out to all these different guys. And, you know, like I said plenty of times, Kenny, I appreciate the time. And I'll let you know once this is out and once uh, appreciate probably be out about around next week. So I'll let you know. Okay. Definitely appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much. All right. Have a great night. You too, man.